Hey, this is Mike Brake, and I'm the pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. I want to say thank you for stopping by our podcast today. We really do believe that you're only one step away from the relationship with God that you've been wanting. So I hope the message today gives you encouragement, gives you some vision so that you can take that next step towards freedom. Enjoy the message. Christmas time is a time when um, we get gifts, we get presents. Wondering if you have ever received um, a present or a gift that you did not expect. Um, you're expecting something and then you get the gift that keeps on giving the whole year, Clark. Christmas Vacation is one of my, my favorite uh, Christmas movies. Um, I did just kind of an a impromptu poll on social media this week about, hey, what's the worst gift that you, you've ever given? And people responded, did some looking on the internet. You find some pretty funny stuff. Uh, grandmas, unfortunately. Grandmas, you're not getting much love on the Christmas gifts. And in fact, that's my worst gift. My grandma, I love her. Uh, she, soap on a rope, two years in a row. She sold Avon products, and so it was uh, aftershave soap on a rope, uh, cologne, um, those sorts of things. Grandma's not getting much love. Um, also, re-gifters, the notorious re-gifter in your life. Um, there was one lady on the internet said expired chocolate is what she got on Christmas from an aunt who was a chronic re-gifter, yet always expected expensive, top-notch gifts for her children on Christmas and their birthdays. And this person went on to say uh, it was obvious that it was re-gift, uh, um, expired not only because of the date, but it had also melted as well. Um, they then went to the aunt and said, oh, this is so good. Why don't you try some of the chocolate and um, anyway, no uh, regifters, you're busted. Okay, that you're just you're just known. Um, also, in-laws. Sorry, some of the in-laws, um, you got to be careful on your gifts. Uh, one in-law bought um, a book on etiquette from my mother-in-law. So thank you, um, mother-in-law. And then I guess expectations for gifts kind of go down with with age. I saw this chart, um, and on one direction you have. Um, age and on the other direction you have happiness and it's your appreciation for the gift of socks um, it just grows as you get older. Um, gifts that you don't expect. We're in the middle of a series called Expectant. We're in week two of a series called Expectant. And if you weren't with us last week, we started it off, we kicked it off last week. And we're just, in the next couple weeks and through the month of December, we are Wanting to have a faith-growing experience. Not just come in to worship and sing songs. Not just come in to, to, to give or to hear a message and then we go and we do our stuff. But to have a, an ex, some experiences in our lives, some encounters with God. We're expecting some encounters that actually grows our faith. To expand our vision for our lives just a little bit. Like if the vision for your life... If the vision you have for your life isn't just a little bit intimidating, you might be insulting God with how you're living your life. Like if your prayer life, if the answers to your prayer life are things that you can do on a regular routine basis that do not require God, like you might be in, uh, just falling short of what God has for your life. We want to expand your vision. We want to grow your faith in this series. Last year, December 10th, we met in my living room. So a year ago tomorrow. We met in my, our living room. We, Freedom Church didn't even exist at the time. We just said, let's get together and we pray. And we are spending that time in preparation, believing God to do something, but also yet we are very uncertain. We were excited because we were starting something new, but we were scared. But we were expecting 
That if God's, if God's alive, if, this, if He's in it, then He's going to do something, He's going to show up. And that's the same type of attitude and heart that we're bringing in in this December as well. We're expecting God to move in our lives, not only in December, but also into this next season as well. And want that for you. So last week we talked about Mary, ordinary Mary, giving God our ordinary. And when we just say, hey, I, I, I'm going to give you what I have, God, we let him do something extraordinary. And so we saw when, when, when God called Mary to say, hey, this is what your purpose is in life. And God has a call of greatness on your life. She said yes and walked into that. Now, in the coming weeks, we're going to talk about it today. And, and tomorrow or, or next week, we're going to put it into practice. But we're, every, we're asking everybody, everybody to do three things. One, get a word from God this season. Get a, seek God and get a word from Him. I'm believing God for what? And we're expecting God to help you fill in that blank as you seek Him. Secondly, a gift to God. I am giving God fill in the blank. And third, we're going to have an invitation for others. To, in this season, to invite others into a relationship with Jesus. To invite them into your home and just love on people. So if you have your Bibles with you, let's, we're going to look at a, um, another aspect of the Christmas story this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 2. We're going to look at the wise men, the magi, and their story and how they encountered Jesus, this Savior. Um, starting in Matthew 2 chapter, or verse 1, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, and it has it on the screen as well. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it'll be up on the screen. It says, Jesus... He was born in Bethlehem in Judea. So he's born during the reign of King Herod. Now let me put a little pause right there. King Herod. There's several King Herods that you read about in Scripture. This is Daddy King Herod. Okay, so he dies in about 4 A.D. And then you hear of other Herods in Scripture, and those are his sons. So Daddy Herod was a great builder, a great architect in his time. Um, he was very shrewd and, and oppressive on his taxes with the people around him um, as a politician. But he was also, as he got older, was very paranoid. Um, there was one of the Caesars had a quote saying, I'd rather be one of Herod's pigs than one of his sons. Because he would often, if he perceived one of his kids or even one of his multiple wives as a threat, he killed, he killed them. And so um, Herod had a lot of paranoia as he got older um, in his age. And we'll see that uh, rise up in a little bit. So this is Daddy Herod. It says, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn, read this next phrase with me, king of the Jews. Wait, wait, wait. King Herod. He's, he's, he's sent from Rome to kind of be the king over the Jewish territory. And now there is a king of the Jews that was just born. This is a little unsettling. When we saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was, read this with me, deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. And everyone in Jerusalem indicates uh, pretty much your religious leaders, the church people um, the, of that area were disturbed by this as well. King Herod, he panics. Hey, I'm the king. I'm the king of this area. Who's this, who's this king? No, 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 no. I, I, I rule over this area. And he panics. And, and Scripture goes on to say that he kind of... Uh, uh, 
asks the religious leaders, he gets them together, hey, where's this new king supposed to be born? Be born? And they kind of have some meetings back and forth. And then he finally tells the, the wise men, he tells the magi, he says, hey, listen, you go find this king. And then when you do, he just tells a flat out lie. He just says, hey, come back, tell me where he's at. I want to worship him too. So he, he, he panics in that moment, but the, guy, the, the wise men, they don't, they don't discern that. God knows what's going on behind the scenes. And they go, and, and it says in verse 9, drop down to verse 9, it says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over, read this next phrase with me, these next two words, it stopped over the place where the child was. Today, I want to ask the question, where is the place of your worship? Where is the place of your worship? Now, we, we might think about that in our immediate responses. Well, I go to worship at church. But the question is much deeper than just the actual physical location where you go. Our worship is not just here on a Sunday morning. Our worship is not just singing. It is, much, it is all aspects of our life. What has your worship? You were created to worship. Every single one of us were created to worship something. And, and God, when He... When he um, uh, rescued Israel out of the nation of out of the nation of Egypt. They were in slavery. They had no no one was going to conquer Egypt. They were way too big, way too strong. And God delivers them out of Egypt, and He says, "Hey, you are my chosen people. We're going to go to the promised land." But He gives them several commands and says, "Hey, this is how we're going to set up and structure the government and all this sort of stuff." But He kind of gives them a top ten list, the, the, the Ten Commandments. The number one commandment, the top one of the Ten Commandments, the first one says this, you must not have any other God but me. You were designed to worship. And he's saying, hey, you've got this like God-sized hole in you. You're going to worship stuff. I want you to worship me through a relationship. God wants a relationship. He says, you're going you're to try to fill it with all of these other things. Don't do it. Don't put any, you have no other God but me. And then he kind of goes on and he explains it. He says, you must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or any image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. Now, that is a dirty pastor joke, that, that, the trick that I've, I've just put on you there. And that's wrong. On, on, you're looking at that. That's like, that is a dirty trick, Mike. It is so, uh, so unrealistic because like this season, for sure, nobody's worshiping the Broncos. Um, and and the Miami, for sure, no one's worshiping my, Miami. Like, uh, hey, all right, there we go, there we go. Uh, um, that's a bad, it's a bad, dirty little trick from pastor. But it is my job. It is my job as a pastor. When we talk about texts that are from thousands of years ago, to, to try to figure out a way, how does it plug into 2018? And I don't, I don't want to, to just gloss over stuff and then we go and say, hey, we're good. 
Because when God says, hey, I don't want any you to worship any other God but me, he's talking about every aspect of your life. He wants to be the center, and anything has potential to be there. You might be saying, well, I don't, I don't bow down to anything. Yet, our necks are bent for hours. We have chronic pain in here that we have to go see a doctor because we've spent so much time looking at images and bending our neck and swiping because we've spent so much time on this thing. I think you get, you get some of the idea. How do we know where is our place of worship? How do you know where is the place of your worship? Time. One of the most valuable assets that you have. Where do you spend your time? What do you talk about? What do you spend your time talking about? What do you spend your time thinking about, worrying about? Do an, do an honest inventory of those things. And not just about those things, but your, your, your finances, your bank account tells a lot. If you were to give me access to those things, which by the way, God does, time, what you talk about, what you think about, your bank account, I would have a very, very good clue as to what your priorities are in your life. Where is the place of your worship? And please, please, if, I, if we're going to talk about things and if we're going to get anywhere today, don't fake it. Herod said, hey, tell me, tell me where this king is and I will worship him too. Listen, Christians are notorious for coming in here and playing Halloween 52 weeks a year and putting on a mask and faking it. God knows. God knows. He sees right through it. He's, he reads your thoughts. He reads your heart like a book. And guess what? He loves you. He, he's not waiting to beat you down with a stick to say, well, you're not worshiping me. You're not doing... No, He loves you. So if he's speaking to you today, that's a good thing. It's a good, you don't have to be afraid of God. He's on your side on these things. But he says it starts, it starts with your worship. Where is your worship? These magi came to worship Jesus. And they were trying to find him. So we're going to look at three things today that get us in the right place of worship. That get us headed in the right direction so we can be worshiping the way they want. And the first one, all of them will start with a P, is prompting. The prompting to worship. In verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They saw the star, they were prompted, and they were filled with joy. Let's start with the they. Who's, who's the they? It's the Magi. Now, we typically say the three wise men. But we don't know if it was three. Scripture never says. And they're from Persia. They're traveling from what's modern-day Iran. This is about a 900-mile trip west. If you go 900 miles west of Los Alamos, you will be in another L.A., Los Angeles. It is a long and painful journey that they, that they are traveling on. I don't know if any of you guys are going to be doing some Christmas traveling this season, like to maybe to some in-laws, and you're like, oh, that is a long and painful journey. But these guys have, have really traveled, and they, they were prompted by this star. Now, let's talk about that. They saw the news. Now, you probably 
may, you may not have thought about this, but this is actually very good news. They were from Persia. They're not followers of God. Don't worship anything in the heavens. They're not followers of God. What are they following? They follow stars. They're seeking after a truth. They know there's something more. But in the middle of their worshiping and following something other than God, He's leading them, prompting them to the correct area of worship. This is very, very good news. I just remember for myself, coming out of college, I was drinking a six-pack a day, and on weekends it was 12 or more. And when I got a job out of the lab, that's what I knew, so that's what I did. Now, I only knew the people working at the lab who I worked with, but I didn't, know, I didn't have any family. I didn't know anyone else. So when it hit the weekends, where did I go? I went what I went, did normally. I went to the bar. I was at Canyon Bar and Grill. And it was in the middle of my drunkenness that I got a prompting from God. Unlike anything, I sobered up real fast. And I knew undeniably that it was God in my life. And he's saying, Mike, are you, gonna, are you just going to continue doing this? Is this how you want to live your life? And I knew the answer, no. I was pursuing pleasure and fun, but on the inside, I was like, I hate this. This is, this is ridiculous. And he, called, he prompted me, and I walked right out of there saying, no, I'm not, do, I'm not living like, this is not who I want to be and how I want to live my life. If God's prompting you today, if you're an addict today, you got an addiction that no one knows about, or maybe they do. If, you're, if God's prompting you today, and you're an, you're an angry teen, or if he's prompting you today, and you're an angry adult, and he's, he's saying, this, is this how you want to live? Listen, it's not a bad, he's not trying to beat you up. He's a good, good father. And I'm trying to be a good, good pastor and tell you that he loves you. If you get a prompting from God, it is because he has the best plans for you. Lean into those promptings. And it says when they did, when they did, they were filled with joy. The, the literal translation uses is those four Greek words in that translation that they, they say filled with joy. But the literal translation of that is they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. They were happy. I mean, it was a, a huge, to put Buddy the Elf into it, like a ginormous excitement. Deep in the depths of their soul, they were so overjoyed at this occasion of following God in their lives. And for a lot of Christians, we live underjoyed. Like I've walked into to church services and it feels more like a funeral. People look angry. They are angry. They look, they're mad. They got scowls on their faces. You're like, what am I walking into here? Critical, nitpicking different things. We should be some of the happiest people on the planet. Like, go old school Sunday school, where you're like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Come on, do it with me. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. 
If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. We need to change that lyrics. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. It, don't, don't let anyone rob you of your joy. So, hey, hey, praise God. Shout amen. Stand up. Clap. Don't let the person next to you say, well, I don't know what they're going to think. Don't let them rob you of your joy. Why? Because we have a Savior. Today, in the city of David, in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior is born, which is good news of great joy for everyone. I don't know why we feel like we have to contain this. or why. Like, yes, we're going to have bad days. And yes, I, I don't want to be fake. But at the same time, we have a Savior, and that is good news. So if He's prompting you today, that is good news. He's not trying to condemn you. He's trying to save you and welcome you in and say, this is a better way. And when you seek that way, you are going to find joy. You are going to find peace in the midst of unpeaceful circumstances because you know what's coming next. Herod, we know, that, we know how the story goes, right? Herod said, hey, oh yeah, that, 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 that kid... Just slaughter all kids that age because we're going to wipe them all out. I don't know which one it is. Just wipe them all out. You will have great joy in the midst of chaotic situations. Prompting. Follow the promptings of God in your life. And do not, do not be underjoyed. You hear something good today? Shout amen. It'll, it'll help you out. It'll help my preaching out too. You're like, I don't like that preaching. You're going to help me out a ton. Second position. The position of worship. It says, They entered the house and they saw the child and with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Now let's pause real fast. It says, They entered the house. They're no longer in a manger, which was pretty much like a, uh, well, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're in their house. Scholars say Jesus is, a, is not an infant anymore. He's more like a toddler, about two years old. Okay? So, how many of you have a two-year-old or have had a two-year-old? Okay. I used to judge parents uh, until I had a two-year-old. I mean, they are loud. They're banging stuff. They're throwing stuff at you. Um, it's not a pretty picture. It was just even this week. Um, our our three-year-old is, is uh, angry yelling at me at 2.30 in, in the morning. Dad! I hear this, Dad! And I, it, it, I'm like, what's going on? Dad! And I walk into the room, and, and the door's open, mostly, and uh, what, 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 Charlie, what's going on? My door is not open all the way. <laughs> it had shut about eight inches. Eight inches! I opened it up, go back to bed. Two-year-olds, they're, 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 they're snotty. <laughs> They got stained clothes. They will stare you in the eye and then just poop right in their diapers, right? Right as they're looking at you. I mean, they don't care. They just don't care. And these men roll up on this house and they bow down, position in front of this toddler. Now, this is physical. Anybody can bow down. Guys, we're going to take this position probably twice in our lives, maybe. One, when you're getting football pictures. You know, <laughs> smile. In high school, 
and then the other one when you're proposing. But taking a physical act, a physical position of bowing down, especially when you're talking about your worship, puts, puts you in the right position of humility to say, I am not God, and you are. I don't have the answers, but you do. This is an uncomfortable position. And they, they came there and they, they bowed down. I'll never forget, as a teenager, um, I would wake up in the morning and I would um, walk out of my bedroom through the living room to go to the bathroom and, and start getting ready for the morning. And almost every morning, um, my dad would be in our living room. And he's so quiet that I would for, forget that he's there and it kind of scare me. And as a teenager, I was like, oh, dad, you're so weird. He's having his quiet time. But most mornings he would be on his knees, sitting at the couch and praying. And as a teenager, I'm like, ah, you know, whatever. And as, as his son now, he showed me what was of importance in his life nearly every single day. To say, I will take this position. It's uncomfortable. And when you do, when I do it now, it's still uncomfortable. I mean, I could pray standing up, that's fine. But it's the position of your heart. And physically, sometimes I will bow down to take that position. Your place of worship, your position, for those of you who are parents that have kids, one day it will be the story that they tell about you. Mom and dad, oh, they worshiped, their, they were at work all the time. They were, that, that's, that's what they did. No, they were all about this or that or themselves. Oh, no. And they lived for God. They lived for Jesus. They were about other people. Their life was not about them. What is, what is your position in worship? These men, they knelt before the king. They saw the Savior. They met him and said, oh, I am not God. You are. Even in that gross <laughs> two-year-old state, they knew. And they took that position of humility. We will kneel now, or we will kneel later. If I'm going to be a good pastor, i got to tell you, you will kneel now. Or on the other side of eternity, Scripture says every, every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can, you can do it in humility and receive grace now, or you can do it later, and it will be too late. And that's tough. That's tough. But I can't, I can't just, gloss, God's grace is here for us now. And if he's prompting you now, it's out of love because he doesn't want to judge you. It will come, but he came to save before he came to judge. Thirdly, presence. Presence in worship. They came to worship him. They kneeled down. How did they worship him? It says they bowed down and they worshiped. They opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. Now these are fitting for a king. Gold is just as good today as it was back then. Frankincense and myrrh, spices and, and perfumes. Not necessarily more fitting for a king, not so much for a baby. And this is kind of how we know the Magi were men and not women, because if it was the ladies, they, they, they would have been bringing some diapers, uh, cloth, of course, some type of formula, and, and for sure a casserole would have been in there um, as, as well. Sorry, that's bad pastor jokes. I got, I got a ton of them. Um, um, they came... And they gave. They were overjoyed to bow down and give and bring these gifts. I just celebrated my birthday this past week, and my boys came in in the morning, and they, they gave me their gifts, their handmade little, little paintings and gifts, and they were, they were excited. They wanted to explain the process and show me. It wasn't like, oh, I have to give. Oh, they made me do this. Oh, here you go. I mean, that might come later as they're teenagers, but at least for a three-year-old and six-year-old, they were overjoyed to give me their gifts, to give their daddy gifts. And for, for, for us, I did another little dirty pastor trick. God's not, he's not concerned about your, your presence so much as he is your presence. Our gifts to God are one aspect of worship, but He wants all of our worship, our presence. Be where you are at. And He desires our presence when we come to worship Him. Not your perfection. Because we'll be like, oh, to worship you, God, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to go to church and I got to read my Bible and I got the streak on the Bible app and I got all this sort of stuff that's going on and work, 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 work. And no! Just be you. On your best day on this planet, your most spiritual day on this planet. You know how God describes that in Isaiah? He says, your righteous acts are like filthy rags. Think about that. Your best day on this planet, he says, that's like filthy rags, dirty rags. Actually, it's a lot more grotesque than that, but I won't go into it. But God still loves you. Like, you can't offer enough to him to say, oh, well, I'm all cleaned up. No, just be you. Be you. Be present with him. And part of that is they brought their gifts. They did bring their presence. You know what I'm saying? Ah, giving. That's, like, I love Jesus, but giving is, this is a hard one. I don't, I, I don't know how I can do this. Let me, let me just, Bible says a lot about giving. I want to just try to be clear and practical with this. Um, Proverbs chapter 3 talks about this. It says, trust in the Lord. That's huge right there. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your circumstances. Don't trust in your finances. Trust in the Lord with, say this with me, all your heart. Not part, all. So this encompasses all of our presence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will. Seek a word from God this Christmas season. Seek His will. Seek Him. In all that you do, and He will show you which path to take. We want to know, hey, what is our next steps? What's my next step? The only way for you to know what your next step is in life is to give yourself fully to what God has you doing right now. Now, give him your all right now. 
and he will show you which path to take. You give him your presence. He says, hey, I'm, I'm present all the time. I'm trying to show you stuff all the time, but I'm going to make it known. His presence will be felt and found. It may not be immediate, because we, like Rita was talking about earlier, well, I, want, I want to know now, I want to know now. No, just keep going. Keep taking those next steps. Keep seeking, and he will show you which path to take. And then he goes on, he says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Don't try to figure it all out. You're going to try, uh, we try to be control freaks and try to figure this all out. Don't f- try to figure it out. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will have healing on your body, strength for your bones. Now, the context, that famous verse in verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Depend on, don't depend on your understanding. Seek his will and he'll show you what path to take. Now, that's context, right? Because in verse 9, he continues on. He says, say this with me, honor the Lord. That word honor means worship. Worship the Lord. It also could be translated, be rich with God. Be rich with God with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with wine. Now I want to be clear because if you just read that one verse in Scripture, you're like, all right, great. Give God 10, I'll get 100. Give God 100, next week Mercedes Benz, right? Um, I, got a, I got a pastor you uh, for weeks on end and next week I'm just, that, I will never preach that. If you read all of Scripture... It is, that is not how God works, and that is not what is, is intended here. If you read that one verse, you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a good deal. That's not how he works. But I will say this without hesitation. God wants to bless you immensely. God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless you with things that are priceless, that you can't put a price tag on. Joy, peace, community, he, relationship, like those things that we can't put a price tag on, he wants to bless you a ton. And maybe for some of us, yes, financially, it could be. That would be awesome. I would take that, God. Thank you very much. But no, that's not what I'm expecting, and I won't preach that. But he does want to bless you. When they came into the presence of God, they worshiped with gifts, and he showed them which path to take. Because it says in verse 12, it says, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. They came, they brought all of their presents, they bowed down, they gave, they worshiped, and God showed them their next steps. And I'm telling you today, God wants to bless you But he can't put things into your hands when you have a closed fist. This is mine. This is my money. This is my time. This is my my words. I'm going to do things that I want to do, how I want to do them, when I want to do them. He wants to put things into your hands. And when you say the center of the universe is all about me and what I want, I earn this, he can't put anything into your hands when you have a closed fist. But when your hands are open to him, and this is all about trust, Trust in him. Do not depend on your own understanding, God. I trust you, not in my control. He'll show you which next steps to take. So, next week, we're going to, this is all going to culminate next week. Next week's going to be a special week, um, not only in my life and your life, but in the 
uh, life of Freedom Church because we're going to put all three of these things together. We're going to have a Christmas party this year. Yes and no. We're not going to have the traditional party. We're going to have a Christmas party next week, Sunday, 11 a.m. We're going to put all these three together. We're asking everybody to put these three together. One, seek a word from God. Bring a word from God. Be in prayer. God, what I'm believing for you in what? And fill in the blank. I've been praying. I got a couple words that I'm like, God, is this the word? Is this the word? And I'm, just, I'm still seeking. You seek God. We seek God. Everybody get a word from God this season. A prompting. In fact, I'll prompt you right now. If you got a pen, you can write something out or you can get out your phone. What do you think your word is right now? What do you think your word is right now? Just type it into your notes. What do you think God's speaking to you? Pray about it. Is that what you're speaking to me? Secondly, a gift back to God. This will show our position and also our presence. Listen, if we're living in a godless world, if God does not exist, then this whole message is bogus. It's like, hey, it's your money. You spend it however you want. You earned it. If we live in a godless world, you go live however you want. But if God exists, then I want to be part of a bigger story. And he wants you to be, he's calling you to be in a bigger part of a story than just yourself. If all you live for is yourself, then at the end of yourself, at the end of your life, all you have to show for yourself is yourself. Be part of a bigger story. We're going to bring a gift back to God next week. Any gift that is given next Sunday, any gift that is given next Sunday financially, or any gift that's given during the week online, because you can give online, here's my promise to you. We'll give 100% of it away. We're not going to keep it in a savings account. We're not going to spend it on church stuff. We're going to go and, and, and serve the widows and the poor, the people who are hurting. So anybody that wants to give next week, whether it's $10, $0.10, I don't care, whatever God lays on your heart, I want us to be a generous church. And when, when we're talking about generosity, it's not about amounts. It's not about a dollar amount. It's about your heart. Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This whole thing about worship, where is your heart? Where is your place of worship? Is it, is it, is it in yourself? Because that's ultimately where this all boils down to. I will either worship myself or I'll worship Jesus. The King. The King of kings. The Lord of lords. Savior of the world. These wise men, they bent down and they worshiped. We're going to do that next week. We're going to have some special time of worship, a special time of giving. Whatever God lays on your heart. If he lays on your heart zero, don't give. But if he lays something on your heart, be obedient to that. And the third thing is an invitation for others. This is a great time. Christmas is a great time to tell people who are lonely, who are looking for a Savior, who, who are disturbed, trying to find answers, trying to find reasons, trying to find purpose, to be a star. That star led them to the truth. And guess what? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Just like the star that led them to the Savior, you are to be a light, a city on a hill, leading people to a Savior. An invitation for others.
to say, hey, I don't know how, but it's changed my life. I don't know how, but it's saved my life. Here you go. Come join me. Come join me. Let's stand. Let's stand. Closing prayer. Thank you again for listening to the podcast at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. A few next steps that you can take coming out of this. One is head to our website and let us know just exactly how we can help you take your next step. Also, if we have had a positive impact in your life or in your family and you want to partner with us financially, you can go to our website and click give. That will get the message out so we can impact more people through this ministry. And finally, click the subscribe button. That way you know you get the latest content from the podcast as well as rate it, review it. That will help get the message out to others. Hope you have a a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening.